TCL, America's fastest growing TV brand. I always enjoy bringing you the latest. This is The Scoop. It's The Scoop with Darren Dookie Wolfson from 5 Eyewitness News. It's a Friday night, so I'm feeling all right. Hello, Score North faithful. This is Scoop Podcast episode 246 on this Friday night on 1500 AM. The main job, five eyewitness sports. The TV job has me at Vikings training camp all day into the evening. So full disclosure, this episode was put to bed many, many hours ago, but I feel like you'll have plenty of reasons to take a listen. We'll get to conversations with Adam Thielen of the Vikings, Anders Lee, former Edina High School star, St. Thomas Academy star, Notre Dame star. Anders Lee lives, he's actually one of my neighbors in the West Metro. He re-signed with the New York Islanders, seven years, $49 million. We'll catch up with Anders Lee on his decision to rejoin the Islanders. He said no to the Wild and to others who came in with interest. His number one goal was to always remain an Islander. He is the Islanders captain. We'll catch up with Jalen Suggs, one of the top recruits in the country, Basketball-wise, in the class of 2020, where do things stand with the Gophers? He also just got back from Greece helping the USA Under-19 team, coached by Bruce Weber of Kansas State, helped them win a gold medal. So fun conversations ahead on this episode tonight. We'll begin with a snippet of my conversation with Derek Falvey, Twins Chief Baseball Officer, earlier this week on where trade talks stand. Now, if you're a religious listener of the Scoop Podcast, You might have already heard this. You can fast forward if you're listening to this, not live. For those listening on the radio live right now, hey, maybe this is the first time you're hearing this. Great. If it's the second time, I appreciate you being a religious listener of the Scoop Podcast. But anyway, earlier this week at Target Field, I caught up with Derek on all sorts of topics, including where things stand as we approach the trade deadline next Wednesday, 3 o'clock. It's a matter of when, not if, the twin strike. The question is... How big will the Twins trade or trades be? Here is some of my conversation with Derek on Twins Trade Talks. Days to go until the trade deadline. Where are things at right now? I, I think it's, you know, this time of year, I always look back and see what transpired a year ago at this time. And I think, uh, un- unfortunately, sometimes we want it to come a little more quickly. The reality is, as we get closer to the deadline, more more activity starts to shake out. There's a lot of conversations happening, uh, not a lot of traction, so to speak. But I would say that we'll know a lot more, uh, you know, in those five days leading into the deadline, is my guess. What about you guys setting the market? I mean, have you thought about, hey, we'll be aggressive, we'll make them an offer that they just can't refuse? Yeah, I think, you know, it's something that we've talked about and maybe at times have done. And I think that, uh, unfortunately, it takes two sides to make a deal and you can't necessarily control the other side. You know, we know that over the last few seasons, for whatever reason, those last few days going into the deadline is when most of the activity occurs. Certainly there are a few trades prior to that, but uh, I would expect that uh, the, the market dynamics will be really consistent with what it's been before. I mean, is it a matter of when, not if, that you are going to make at least one trade, if not multiple? Well, I think you, you never can stamp anything right now until anything's actually concluded. I, you know, we're actively working that market to try and find ways to to improve this club. I do believe that the the core of our team going forward and the core of our success, whatever success we have the remainder of the year, is going to come from the group that's in that clubhouse right now. Now, supplements to that group, that's our job in trying to figure out how we can find it. But I, I fully expect that we're going to have some really good conversations coming up here soon uh, that will lead to some opportunities for us to improve the team. Is the number one need pitching? I mean, is it 
somebody to start and you'd move somebody to the pen? Is it a reliever? Is it multiple relievers? Well, I think you're talking about all the things we're talking about, which is how do we most impact the team? And sometimes it's uh, maybe not always in the most orthodox fashion. You might think that it's one type of player at one position or one location. You know, we may think about, as you've said, if there are ways to add to our starting rotation, our pitching depth, is there a way to add to the bullpen at the same time? You know, those things are all part of the equation, and uh, we'll continue to 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 look through it, but I would say that we're focused more on the pitching side right now probably than we are on the position player side. doesn't mean something that will com- could come up, but I would say that right now we're focused on how do we improve our overall pitching depth. Would you be open-minded to moving somebody off the 25-man roster? Like if somebody said, hey, we like that player, we'll give you this, this, and this, but we really want that player, but he's on your 25-man. Yeah, I, you know, I always I view it this way. We can't say no to anything without knowing what it is, right, and, and what the alternatives are, and I think that it's always hard, certainly, to trade off a major league team, but anytime you're doing deals, you're giving up value, and it's painful regardless. So I just think we need to hear out any team's potential proposal, opportunity, see where the matches are in terms of need and fit on both both sides and what clubs are looking for, uh, and we'll work to conclusion. But our goal is to try and put this team in the best position it can be in going forward, and uh, and, and we'll see if we can find matches to do so. Falvey is open-minded to many different scenarios, and I'm asked a lot, especially on social media, hey, have the Twins asked about this guy, that guy? I can promise you, the Twins, among Rob Antony, Assistant General Manager, Thad Levine, General Manager, Derek Falvey, Chief Baseball Officer, that they have talked to literally Every team. I've been asked a lot in the last 24 hours. Have the Twins talked to the Mets about Noah Syndergaard? Of course they have. I don't know exactly what the price would be to acquire Syndergaard. Would the Twins be willing to meet that price? Would they be willing to part with one of their top three prospects? I'm dubious on that. I tread very, very lightly on that. I don't think they end up moving one of their top three prospects. But from four on down, whether it's a Trevor Larnick, a Brent Rooker, a Nick Gordon, any number of arms that are not Gratterall, yes, the Twins are very open-minded. They realize that the window is not always open. The window is open this year. Now, if you end up facing the Astros in the first round of the playoffs and the Astros can set their rotation and you face Justin Verlander in Game 1, Garrett Cole in Game 2, yeah, pack a lunch. Then would you want to see the Yankees after what we saw earlier this week at Target Field? Would you want to see the Yankees in the postseason? I don't think so. You would root heavily for the team that the Yankees would play in the American League Divisional Series because the way it matches up right now is the Twins likely would be the three seed. The Astros would be the two. So the Yankees would play the wild card winner. So I think you would root heavily for the wild card winner. You don't want to play the Yankees in the American League Championship Series. And oh, by the way, because I guarantee people are listening right now saying, hey, The Indians are right there. It's not like the Twins are running away with the Central Division. I will say this much. The schedule is about to ease up, and it's about to get very difficult for the Indians. It eases up for the Twins. It gets difficult for the Indians. The Twins have the easiest remaining schedule in the American League. Yes, they need to win these games, especially all these games against the White Sox, the Tigers, the Royals, but the schedule does them all sorts of favors. And the schedule isn't overly difficult for Cleveland, but it certainly is more difficult for the Indians than it is for the Twins. All right, in this first segment here on Scoop North on the Scoop Podcast, let's also get to Jalen Suggs. Jalen Suggs of Minnehaha Academy is entering his senior year in high school. He's in Las Vegas right now for an AAU event. He was at USA Basketball in Colorado Springs earlier this week. In the next week, week and a half, he'll be at Steph Curry's camp, Elite Camp. That's a special invite camp. 
The next thing you know, he's back on the gridiron. Don't forget how good of a football player Jalen Suggs is. Ohio State has made him an offer. He is a state champion quarterback, one of the best football players in the state. But his meal ticket is basketball. He's got future NBA player written all over him. He won a gold medal with USA Basketball going back a few weeks in Greece. He played for Bruce Weber of Kansas State. And pretty cool because there were 2018 and 2019 kids on the team. Like Iowa State's starting point guard was on the team. Jalen was one of the youngest players on the team, but he made the team. It was a rough tryout or a competitive tryout, at least. He made the team. So many good players were cut, like Zeke Najee of Hopkins was on his way to Arizona. But Jalen made the team and helped the U.S. win a gold medal in Greece. I caught up with Jalen earlier this week. Jalen, let's start with the thrill of winning a third gold medal. How does the thrill of winning a third compare to winning your first and your second? It's nothing like it. Again, every time you go out there, you know, and you play against these foreign teams, you know, and you're you know, you've been playing basketball for almost a month straight. Uh, you know, you had two a days. You know, you worked hard for your spot on the team. Uh, and, you know, you finally get to, you know, hear the national anthem play in another country and with the hand across your chest and a gold medal dripping down. And, uh, you know, all your fans, you know, clapping and cheering for you. Uh, there's nothing like it. Like I tell you, it's it's truly a blessing. Um, and to be able to be a part of that for a uh, third time already, you know, and, and three tries, uh, you know, what words can't describe that? You know what? Circle back. I mean, you're right. Expound on, on the trial process. I mean, you were not a lock, even with your history with USA Basketball. You think about all the talent that was there in Colorado Springs. What was that like just to make the team? Yeah. Uh, even just to make the team was extremely special. You know, I went in there and, you know, I knew these guys were older. I knew they had experience. Uh, you know, but I had experience as well. You know, I've been overseas two times and I'm trying to bring that in, uh, bring leadership, you know, just kind of. Play the game how I know how to play, you know, let it all come to me. And, you know, coming in there, the coaches told me to do that. Uh, I did exactly that. And um, you, when I went in the room and they told me I made it, I had the biggest smile on my face. Um, like I said, it's because that, that's something nobody can take away from me. You know, for the rest of my life, you know, I'll be able to say that, you know, I earned my spot on USA basketball three times, you know, I won gold three times. How much did you embrace to the competition? I mean, your class of 2020. There's a bunch of kids there, class of 2019, heck, class of 2018, guys that just completed their freshman year in college, like Iowa State starting point guard, right, was on the team. Like, how much did you embrace playing against kids older than you? I loved it because uh, that, that's something I've been doing pretty much my whole life. You know, ever since I started playing a game of basketball, um, I've never been playing my age group really up until this year, uh, AAU. Um, so to be able to go in there with the older guys, uh, I really just kind of, Try to be competitive, but open up and learn uh, just because they have so much knowledge, you know, just from one year of college already. Um, and like I said, Tyrese Halliburton, uh, I would say starting point guard. Uh, that's my guy. We go way back. And uh, like I said, he helped me go so much on the basketball court. Um, him, the whole coaching staff, uh, all the older guys and even the younger guys. And, you know, we taught them a couple of things. And uh, I think just as a, as a trip went on, uh, everyone grew uh, together. And, uh, you know, and mentally, both on, on, on and off the court. And uh, it showed, and we started playing real world basketball. What was it like playing? I mean, you touched on the coaching staff, but in specific, playing for Coach Weber. Uh, it was great. Um, I think Co- Coach Weber, <sighs> Coach Weber is very, uh, he's very knowledgeable. Um, he's very competitive. He definitely wants to win, and I like that about him. Uh, he has a real fire spirit, and everyone under him on the coaching staff, both assistant coaches, um, <laughs> they were hilarious. Like I said, those are my guys, and those are people that uh, you know that I'll forever be in contact with. Um, but like I said, those, the whole coaching staff and the whole team—it it was truly just special. Like I said it's really hard to put words to put words into it for him because um, it's just a special group. But uh, what we did and what we accomplished this year um, was definitely something to remember.
So tell us about the assistants. I know that Bruce Weber, Kansas State coach, was your head coach, and then who were the assistants that you're alluding to? Uh, the assistants were Lavelle Morton. Uh, you know, he coached at uh, he coaches at North Carolina Central, and uh, Coach Hopkins, who is right now at uh, Washington. So like I said, those are two great guys, uh, really knowledgeable in the game of basketball, um, even better people off the court. And uh, like I said, those are people who I continue, who I will continue to have a relationship, uh, you know, for as long as I'm here. What was it like going over to Greece? That's where you guys won the gold. Oh, it was beautiful. Um, I said the, the hotel we were at, it was a little ledge. And uh, at night, you know, when I couldn't sleep because the time difference was so crazy, uh, I'd just go out there and sit, you know, and just kind of look. And you get to see the ocean, uh, you know, all the boats coming in. You get to see the town. Uh, my favorite part was a little church. And there was, uh, you know, the cross kind of lit up in the sky. You know, I just kind of look at that and play music, uh, you know, until I really went to sleep. Uh, so I said, it was so peaceful. You know, the people were great. Um, and I really loved that. I had a great time. How about an update on recruiting? I mean, you touched on Halliburton at Iowa State. Is he seeing you here like, hey, you need to come down to Iowa State? Uh, yeah, I heard about it a couple of times while we were down in Greece in Colorado. Um, but like I said, right now, uh, I'm just continuing to take my time with it, you know, evaluate my options, and, you know, make sure I'm making the best decision for me and my family uh, and my future. Um, so, like I said, I've been, like I said, talking to coaches more, uh, you know, trying to plan out, plan, plan everything out, uh, you know, because. Time's kind of running out, you know. It seems like yesterday uh, was the first that they were able to call me, uh, you know, and now my senior year is starting, and uh, it's kind of decision time soon. So, continuing to stay patient with it uh, and leave it in God's hands, and when the time is right, uh, you know, I make that decision. How soon? I mean, there was there was a report from from Evan Daniels of twenty four seven that it might be as soon as what early August. But is that is that maybe too premature, or could you be just days away from announcing something? Uh, it could be as soon as early August. Uh, that's definitely a possibility. Um, but it could be, you know, somewhere down the line um, around basketball season. Um, but like I said, somewhere, somewhere in between then, you know, I like, I'd like to make it. Um, just because, you know, I've kind of built all the relationships I need to build. You know, I've had all the conversations I need to have uh, with coaches. And uh, you know, it's just kind of about that time. Uh, so for the people, uh, be prepared. And uh, like I said, coming soon. Just take us through where you're at with football. Yeah, I've got a little bit of work in. You know, I get to throw my old man uh, here and there, you know, out in the street and in the yard. And I went to 7-on-7 seven seven the other day you know, with my guys. Um, that went pretty well. Um, like I said, I can't wait for football season to start. You know, it's just the switch up and, you know, Friday night lights and getting the whole week to prepare for the game and having everyone come out. Uh, there, there, there's truly nothing like that. Um, and the atmosphere is so special. And we got a great group of guys this year. And uh, hoping to chase, uh, you know, the second state, uh, state championship. Uh, so I can't, I can't wait to start that journey with you. I mean, heck, I mean, even before football even starts, like when's football start? Like August 11th. I mean, you've got the Steph Curry camp. You're going to Vegas. You're going to Colorado Springs. Like you have a lot going on. Yeah, yeah. Um, like I said, I might have to pack a football in my suitcase and bring it with me, uh, you know, and carry that around Vegas and Colorado. But um, uh, like I said, I've always been, I've been good at it, uh, you know, balancing the two. And, you know, when football time comes, uh, you know, that's, that's all that's on my mind and that's what I'm focusing on. Jalen will check out another Gophers basketball practice at some point here in the coming weeks. Now the Gophers leave for Italy. So I think actually before they leave for Italy, I think sometime early next week, the plan is for Jalen to check out the Gophers. In fact, I think he told me the 31st and or the 1st, right before the Gophers leave for that Italy trip. And Gonzaga continues to recruit him hard. I mean, he took the official visit to Gonzaga. Make no mistake, Gonzaga right now is at the top of his list. But Jawan Howard and Michigan are coming on strong. He really likes Patino. He likes the golfers. Now, do I see Jalen Suggs 
ultimately ending up in a Gophers uniform? I don't, but I think his interest in them is truly genuine. Jalen Suggs, one of the best players in the country, class of 2020. When we come back, we catch up with Adam Thielen of the Vikings. This is the Scoop Podcast on Score North. It's second segment time here on the Scoop Podcast on this Friday night on Score North and scorenorth.com. I've been asked a lot, hey, will the Vikings have interest in recently released Packers defensive lineman Mike Daniels? It doesn't sound like the Vikings are interested, at least as of right now, but hey, the Vikings always do their due diligence on free agents. They're doing their due diligence on free agent cornerbacks right now. Orlando Skandrick was in earlier this week. Dexter McDonald was in earlier this week. Both guys in for tryouts. Morris Claiborne is also on their radar. It seems at some point the Vikings will add a veteran cornerback. All signs point to Mike Hughes being ready eventually, but week one might be a bit aggressive as he's coming back from that torn ACL. Then Holton Hill suspended an additional four games for violating the substance abuse policy of the NFL. So he got four games for PED violation, four more for substance abuse violation. So Holton Hill of the Vikings out for the first eight games of the season. So the Vikings could, in theory, use a cornerback. Could they use a wide receiver? I guess that's an interesting debate. They are not actively looking for a wide receiver. They're excited about the battle at camp, whether it's the rookie Mitchell, whether it's Treadwell, whether it's BB. I know all sorts of people at TCO Performance Center have high opinions of Chad Beebe. I think Chad Beebe is going to factor in pretty big this year in the Vikings offense. We do know this much when it comes to the wide receiver position. The Vikings are solid with their one and their two. In fact, you can make a case the Vikings have the best duo in the NFL at wide receiver with Stephon Diggs and Adam Thielen. I was with Adam Thielen a couple days ago. He is co-owner of a gym, actually multiple gyms here in the Twin Cities. Actually, Marcus Sherrill's the former Viking, invested in one of Adam's gyms in Rochester, but Adam owns gyms in Woodbury, and he's got one in Lakeville, and now he has one in Chanhassen. So anyway, I checked out his new gym, ETS Performance Center in Chanhassen, and who else was there? It was Brian Peters, free agent linebacker, former Viking, J.C. Hassenauer, Eastridge High School, Pittsburgh Steelers Center. Who else was there? Ryan Connolly of the New York Giants, former Badgers linebacker, former Eden Prairie quarterback, and former Vikings offensive lineman, now with the Browns, Brian Witzman. So it was a good collection of athletes at the gym a few days ago when I was there with Adam. And while there, I caught up with Adam Thielen. Here is my conversation with Vikings wide receiver, Adam Thielen. Adam, before we get to your involvement with ETS, let's start with your A job, your main job. Let's pick up from the last time we talked, which would have been second to last day of minicamp or maybe the last day of minicamp. And you said, hey, these next five, six weeks before training camp, it's not a vacation. Guys better be ready to rock and roll come that first day of training camp. I guess in your case, how much are you ready to rock and roll come next Friday? Yeah, you know, it's, it's one of those things where you get, you get a month off, but uh, it's, it's probably the most important time to prepare your body and uh, make sure that you're, you're ready to go and, and uh, um, that you're doing whatever you can to help this team. And, and it doesn't mean you can't go on vacation. You know, I did plenty of vacationing this last four weeks, but, uh, but you, know, you know that when you wake up on vacation that you got to get up and uh, get a workout in and make sure you're doing the things that you need to do to take care of your body. And um, So I feel great. I'm excited. Uh, I think everybody's excited to get back to work now. And, um, and uh, you know, now we're close to camp. Everybody's ready to kind of just get back in there and get together and, and uh, start this thing. What's the fine line of, okay, you want to get your work in, but you don't want to overdo it. So, like, you're in Tahoe, right, and you're having a good time, but you're saying you want to get up and get a workout in. But is there a fine line of you don't want to overdo it? 
Yeah, for sure. I'm just lucky that I have great people around me with Ryan here at ETS. Uh, we've been we've we've have been on the same page now for six years and uh, seven years, and and uh, um, I'm lucky that I have somebody that kind of says, "Hey, make sure you take this rest day," or uh, "We're gonna go hard for these couple of days, but make sure you take this one day of of rest or two days of rest." So uh, I'm very fortunate to have people around me that know what they're doing, and uh, you know, I I like to stick to playing football and and let other people do their job. So uh, again, just just blessed to have people around me that uh, kind of direct me and. and tell me what I should and shouldn't be doing. On that relationship with Ryan, I mean, I guess just from a physical standpoint, I mean, how much have you advanced over the last, you said you've been with him now six or seven years. Think about that first time you worked out with him six, seven years ago to where you are now. Yeah, it's something that we talk about a lot, actually, and it's probably why I'm so involved with ETS now because I believe in it so much. Um, I've seen I've seen the results transfer to the field. You know, the, the things that we do in here. Uh, you know, you saw some of the things that we, we kind of do in here. Those are the things that that I come after OTAs or minicamp. I come to him and say, "Wow, I really felt that I was getting into my breaks better. I was uh, more explosive off the line of scrimmage. Um, I was able to start and stop faster than I ever have in my life." So, um, you know, it's it's an exciting thing um, when you're getting older and you still feel like you have a lot more to, to gain and, and that you still can get a lot better. So uh, it's, it's a good feeling and it's exciting. When I get done with the season, I'm in there with Ryan and talking about how we can advance and how we can get better from the year before. I mean, are there moments, I mean, not that it's happening heat of the moment, but piggybacking on what you just said, like when you're watching you know, film back of a game, so maybe it's Monday after a game, where you look at maybe a break you made or you got open, whatever it might be, can you point back and say, okay, we worked on that, you know, whether it was middle of July or at some point here in this gym? Yeah, I think it's more of like feeling for me. You know, when I'm on the field, um, there's certain things that maybe sometimes I feel uncomfortable with this certain break uh, where where after a, a good offseason of training, I get into the OTAs and I'm like, wow, I actually feel really good about that break. So uh, it's more of, of that feeling of um, those sharp cuts that are really difficult breaks to make at a full speed. Um, and and when, you can able, when you're able to do those and feel comfortable with them, that's when you really see the results from um, getting in here and doing these little things that um, I think are a lot different than what other people do. How much more do you want to accomplish from an individual standpoint on the field? I mean, you think about the NFL record last year with all the 100-yard games consecutively, you know, multiple Pro Bowls in a row. I mean, how much more do you want to accomplish? Well, for me, there's always room for improvement. Um, and, and I've never been one to set goals as far as catches or yards or touchdowns, things like that. Um, I just want to go there and do my job and help this team win games. And uh, it was really frustrating, obviously, last year not making the playoffs. It doesn't matter how many catches you have or uh, what records you set. That doesn't matter when you don't make the playoffs. So uh, for me, I'm just trying to come, come out there and do my job, be a leader, and um, try to help this team win games. How much does you guys not making the playoffs last year motivate the bunch this year? Yeah, I mean, every year's a new team, so um, there's a lot of guys that definitely is in the back of their mind, but there's also a lot of new guys that weren't a part of that team. So um, I think it's one of those things where we talk about it. Uh, we talked about a lot this offseason of why we lost those games and why we won some of those games and, and what we would have done differently and, and what things what are the things we have to do this year to help us win those games. So um, I think those are the things we can learn from, and, and even though there's guys that weren't part of the team last year. So um, it's exciting. It's exciting to get back on the field and just start a new season, not think about last year, and just try to get better. What are some of those things specifically that you have to do to win those games? Well, it comes down to a lot of these games come down to two-minute drives. And, uh, and, and what are you going to do when the game's on the line? How are you going to get first downs? How are you going to manage the clock? And um, they're all situations that the coaches do a great job putting us in in the off-seasons and um, making them extremely game-like so that we are used to those situations and um, we can come down and, and win those games in the last two minutes because uh, whether it's a four-minute drive or a two-minute drive, you, you got to win the game in the last two to four minutes of a game. So um, we, we put a lot of emphasis and focus on that.
This new offense, I mean, how much of it is new from what we saw, I guess, when Kevin took over at the end of last year, and does your role change much? Yeah, it's completely different. Yeah, um, it's it's a completely different offense. Obviously, uh, Coach Stefanski does a great job of calling plays, and um, he'll he'll still call his game. But um, it, it's a totally different playbook. It was a, a lot of learning, but also it was very exciting because a lot of lo things um, really fit this offense, fit this personnel. And um, as a as a player, that's really exciting because you see those things on film. You see that it fits our system. You know, you see that it fits our team and our offense. And and when you see that, and and things are going well against our defense, uh, get. It gives you confidence and another thing that we can be excited to get to OT or get to training camp and, and to progress on. The quarterback's always going to be scrutinized, rightfully so, but am I nuts to think that Dalvin might actually be the guy to really key in on? I mean, for lack of a better way of putting it, maybe the the straw that stirs the drink that maybe your offense goes as Dalvin goes? Yeah, I mean, Delvin's such an explosive player, such a, a dynamic player that uh, that we, we need to lean on. And uh, when you get him touches, um, he's bound to make plays. So uh, the more we can get the ball in his hand, the more it's going to open up everything else and make everything look similar. So uh, we're really excited about, about where he's at and um, where our offense is at as far as running the ball. It's not just him. We have other guys in that backfield that can run the ball, and uh, we're going to need everybody because it's uh, in this game, it's, that's why it's the greatest team game there is because uh, you need all 11 guys on the field at one time doing their job and uh, to, to be successful. So um, it's exciting, and, and again, we're going to have to lean on him a lot this year. I mean, I'm just thinking from a play-action standpoint, right? I mean, I guess maybe we just didn't see enough play-action last year, and really that's playing to Kirk's strengths. Yeah, and again, that's kind of what I was talking about as, as far as this system really fitting us. Um, you know, we didn't really have that in our game last year, and uh, it wasn't a, uh, to anyone's fault. It's just that wasn't our system. And so I think that's, that's been a really exciting thing to see, the progression of this offense, because um, it just fits us so well. It fits Delvin. It fits our quarterback. It fits our, our playmakers, and it fits our O-line. So um, now we just have to keep building on it and keep getting better because we still have a long ways to go. Of the young receivers, whether it's Chad or maybe it's one of the rookies, did anybody stand out to you during OTAs in minicamp? Yeah, it's hard to put uh, uh, you know on one guy because they all just did a heck of a job coming in here, learning the playbook. Um, uh, you know, sometimes I think it helps that it, uh, that everybody has a new playbook because uh, no one's in front of anybody else. Everybody's kind of learning it together, and um, I think you see guys uh, flourish a little bit more when you do that because. Uh, they're not doing as much catch-up. They're just kind of everybody's learning at the same pace. So um, we had some a lot of young guys that were making plays and, and showing that they can play at a high level. So it'll be an exciting training camp, and uh, it'll be exciting to watch those guys in, in uh, preseason games to see what they really can do. You excited to see some two tight end looks with Irv Smith Jr.? Yeah, no, we'll, we'll definitely be in a lot of two uh, tight end sets, you know, with this offense, this system. And, uh, yeah, he's, a, he's a, another dynamic player that can make plays, and um, he, can, he not only can catch the football, but he can go in there and block. So uh, the more versatile you are in this league, the, the, the more you play. So I think he's starting to understand that. What's been the dialogue like this offseason with Kirk to make sure that some of the struggles, maybe especially late in the year, I mean, he was so good early in the year, you know, just to make sure that maybe those things are a thing of the past. Well, it takes a long time for quarterbacks and, and skilled players to get on the same page. It doesn't just happen overnight. And there's so many uh, different situations, different things that come up uh, that you have to learn from. And, and so I think that's what's really exciting about another thing on top of this, you know, the system fitting us, um, you know, having another year under our belt that we've already gone over, you know, 90% of those things. And, and there'll still be things that come up and we have to talk about and communicate about. But um, a lot of them have already been covered and we're already on the same page going into a new year. So uh, another thing to be excited about going to training camp. All right, your friendship with Ryan, you know, athlete to trainer, how did that then turn into, okay, let's be business partners? 
I think it just starts with belief. You know, when, when you believe in something, uh, when you see the results on the field that you come in here and grind and, and you see what he's doing translate to the field um, and, and you see that, that it's a system. It's not, it's not just putting random workouts here to get a good workout in. It's, it's all building up to, to be the best athlete you possibly can be. It's not to be the best football player, the best golfer, the best baseball player. It's to become the best athlete and uh, to be able to move and, and, and to be able to change direction efficiently. And those are the things that just, that just explode when I, when I see him on tape and I, and I just see them uh, translate. So uh, when you believe in somebody and, and, and you see the results, you just kind of buy in and, and you want to be involved. And I think that's why uh, we're trying to spread this thing and then trying to get it to a, a, as many kids as possible because we believe in it so much. When you say involved, I mean, you're very hands-on. I mean, whenever you're in the gym, you'll go out of your way. Like I saw a young man, you went over there to say hi to him. I mean, you want to be involved as much as you can. Yeah, you know, for my wife and I, we both grew up athletes and um, we both grew up um, loving sports. And so, you know, the, this is probably one thing that we both had missing as, as, as kids. You know, we didn't have a sports performance facility um, that could really help us take our games to the next level. So uh, both of us were really excited about this opportunity, and um, especially, when you, again, when you believe in something so much. And then uh, to be able to be around these kids and, and have fun with them and, and see them working hard and, and um, you know, really taking advantage of the resources that, that we didn't have is, is really exciting as, as an athlete. What's the end goal? I mean, this is a new facility here in Chanhassen, but it just it seems like you guys are growing, growing, and growing. Yeah, just trying to trying to bring it to as many uh, kids as possible, and um, we know there's a need for it. Um, we know that uh, what we do is different than other places, and um, we're just trying to help out and, and again just give resources to kids that um, you know that resources that I didn't have growing up that I wish I would have had because I think it would have really helped me at a young age and um, you know from an injury injury prevention standpoint, from a just development standpoint, uh, learning how to run, learning how to stop. Um, I wish I had those when I was growing up. So um, it's just kind of uh, those are the things that kind of make you passionate about bringing it to more youth. Vikings wide receiver and co-owner of ETS Performance Gyms here in the Twin Cities, Adam Thielen, one of the good guys. He got a nice new contract in the offseason, and all is on the up and up when it comes to Adam entering what is seventh year at the Vikings. One year includes time on the practice squad, but yeah, he's been in the Vikings organization now seven years, so when you think about senior leaders, you know, there's Everson Griffin, I guess from a seniority standpoint, Everson trumps all, and now that Marcus Sherrills is gone, and Brian Robinson is gone, and other guys, so Everson Griffin takes the cake, but then you think about some of the others that have been around for a while, Adam Thielen is at the top of the list. All right, we'll transition to the NHL, the National Hockey League. When we come back, we'll catch up with Anders Lee, Twin Cities native. He recently re-signed with the New York Islanders. We'll catch up with Anders on his decision to remain captain of New York when we come back here on the Scoop Podcast. Welcome back, Scoop Podcast Faithful. It is Score North, scorenorth.com, 1500 a.m. on this Friday night, the 26th of July. One Vikings note left over from the last segment, or one that I didn't get to last segment. I was talking to the agent of a prominent Viking, and he made an interesting point with Gary Kubiak's stamp now on the Vikings offense. They are going to cut block a lot. The offensive linemen are going to get out in space. It's going to be an interesting blocking scheme. How much will they practice of that? if at all, against their own defense. A, their own defense knows 
what's coming, and B, do you really want to practice that type of blocking against your own guys? I think that is one of many things, fascinating things, to watch the next few weeks during Vikings training camp. On the Wolves, good job by Score North Wolves analyst Danny Cunningham on the Jalen Noel story earlier this week. The Wolves offering Noel only one year guaranteed. So you look at some of the other picks in the 40s, those guys are getting at least two years guaranteed. So the Wolves have been low-balling Jalen Noel. I still think in the end, the Wolves took Noel early in the 40s for a reason. They have a healthy opinion of him. I have to imagine at some point, the two sides come to a happy medium, that the sides come to some sort of resolution, that Jalen Noel will remain a member of the Wolves. But right now, it's been an interesting negotiation, to say the least. And there's some people wondering, hey, what is Gerson doing, right? Gerson Rosas, low balls Tyus Jones. Now, I guess in that instance, hey, you hope that Tyus takes four years, just over $17 million. If he would have taken it, it would have been a team-friendly deal. But he tried to lowball Tyus, tried to lowball Jarrett Culver before they decided to go to the max, offering Jarrett as much as they could. But initially, they tried to get Jarrett to sign for the cheap when it comes to being the sixth overall pick. And now with Noel offering him what can be perceived, at least, as a lowball deal. But hopefully, I'm telling you, I guess I would be very, very surprised if the sides don't come to some sort of resolution. Because I know that Jalen Noel has all sorts of fans in the Wolves front office. I also wonder, by the way, yeah, he was a bit dinged up during Vegas Summer League, but clearly he had not signed his contract. Why would you play in Vegas Summer League without a signed contract with these contentious negotiations? Anyway, I still think at some point the sides come to some sort of agreement. In case you missed it, J.P. McCura, former Lakeville North High School star, Xavier star, spent last year in the Hornets organization. He signed with the Cleveland Cavaliers earlier this week. It's an Exhibit 10 contract. It does contain some partial guaranteed money, so congratulations to McCura. Then there's news about Gino Crandall and Reed Travis. They were teammates at De La Salle High School, remain good friends to this day. Reed Travis finished his collegiate career at Kentucky. Crandall at Gonzaga, both guys signing overseas. Reed with a team in Germany. Crandall with a team in the Czech Republic. Both contracts are for one year. So congratulations to Makira, Travis, and Crandall. Good local players finding jobs this week. Anders Lee of Edina High School and St. Thomas Academy and Notre Dame. Found a job a couple weeks ago. It's the job he's had. He was a free agent. The Wild had some interest. The Avalanche kicked the tires. A bunch of teams kicked the tires on Anders Lee. But his number one goal all along was to re-sign with the Islanders. He wore the C last year. He is the captain of the New York Islanders. He is home for a few weeks. He's playing in the Beauty League Monday and Wednesday nights at Braemar Arena in Edina. He lives actually not that far from me, so I caught up with him at a park by our house. Recently, here's my conversation with Anders Lee on re-signing with the Islanders. Anders, before we get to the free agent process, let's just circle back to last year. Your first year wearing the C, your first year playing for Barry Trotz, maybe more of a defensive system. As you reflect upon last year, what stands out? I mean, it was a, a huge change for us. Um, not only with our culture and but in our systems, um, you know, our day to day with Barry and, and Lou at the helm, we kind of just all grabbed the rope and kind of tried to figure things out. And right from the get go, we were all on the same page. And I think that, um, you know, ended up with a pretty good season uh, because of that. Because throughout the year, guys were all doing the same thing and, and pulling the same rope. When did you find out that the C would transition once John leaves ends up in Toronto? When did you find out? What was that like, the moment you found out, hey, you're going to wear that C? 
Uh, Barry made the call uh, the morning of our first game. Um, we were in Carolina and went over video and everything with the team, and then he made the announcement, and a uh, pretty surreal moment. Um, lots of hugs, good times, some good laughs, and um, even now, still putting on the jersey and seeing that's uh, pretty special. I mean, did you have an inkling? I mean, through training camp, did you have a sense, okay, I have a chance to earn that C? Yeah, I guess. I mean, you don't, it's one of those things you kind of just go in and be yourself and um, do what you've always done, and, and those things will work itself out. So I don't think it's really something you kind of aim or shoot for. It's just one of those things that um, should come naturally, and I think it did, and I think that resonated with the guys and, and with Barry. Did your style of play have to change much with his system? Uh, not too much, no. You know what? Uh, there's always going to be adjustments year to year. We'll be making them again this fall. It's one of those things. And, um, you know, we just really honed in on our defensive side of things and made some huge strides in that, re in that regard, and uh, it paid off for us. So I'm thinking, okay, you guys easily dismissed Pittsburgh. I was thinking you guys are going to go on one heck of a run, then all of a sudden you run into Carolina. Yeah, they, hey, they were playing really good hockey, um, and we kind of had a little bit of a break in between. Uh, it took us a game to get our feet wet back into the swing of things. They came off a Game 7 win in, in Washington and kind of keep that momentum going, and um, they played us perfectly. Yeah, the credit goes to them, and we just couldn't find find that momentum. Uh, games 1 and 2 were tight, and then going into their building, it was just one of those things. We were behind the eight ball and, and couldn't really grasp anything. I don't even know how to solve that issue. You're right. I mean, you guys, I don't remember the exact amount of days, but you have this lengthy layoff, and they transition from Game 7 and play right away. That has to be weird from your standpoint. Yeah, I mean, it's it's. Uh, if you look at it as a positive, you get to rest your legs, you get to re refresh your mind and get rest. But, you know, that playoff mentality and that bite and grit, um, you know, we did our best to get, but it took us a game to, to figure out and, um, from there, we were just kind of—it was one of those things that we were fine in games two and three, but you know, you don't take any of them, and you're—you're—you uh, know—you're really grasping for straws. Is there any final conclusion? I guess maybe I should know this, but is there any final conclusion on what's the plan here long term? What arena you guys will play in? Yeah, we have uh, uh, Belmont Park is is uh, under works, and hopefully, a good announcement will be here, coming here soon about um, you know the process in that and when the shovel can go in the ground and. Um, you know, we're all looking forward to that. I know everyone on the island is, too, and um, just having uh, our own home. All right, so you guys lose to Carolina. Did you have much time to just decompress, or, I mean, did the whirlwind of, okay, what's going to happen here for agency? Was it like snap of the fingers and boom, that process began? Well, you know what, our, my conversations with, uh, you know, my agent Neil and, and uh, Lou uh, um, always continued with our GM, and... Um, you know, even right after the year, you take a take a week off and and um, you know get yourself away from the game and try to figure everything out. But yeah, those con those talks continued up until free agency, and so it was never one of those things where there was a low moment or anything like that. Was there any uncertainty about whether the Islanders would make you a pretty good offer and that you could remain an Islander? You know what? Not really. Um, you know, my communication with Neil was always and same with Neil was we wanted to stay. We didn't want to go anywhere. New York's been our home since since I've been drafted and, and made it to the NHL and um, we have a special group there, special group of guys and um, you know the organization treats us really well so it was always a thing we just wanted to always work out and sometimes that takes a little bit longer. Was it important to get to seven years? I mean were you looking for for term as much as you know per you know the money per year? You know, for me, I just, I think, like any player, you want to play as long as possible. And so, yeah, term was a big thing for me. I wanted to stay, be an Islander as long as I could. And, and um, you know, but we also wanted to make it right on both ends. I didn't want to put 
them in a tough spot or, or me in a tough spot. So I'm um, happy we came to an agreement. What was that courting process like? I mean, other teams reached out. I mean, heck, the hometown Wilds reached out, right? So teams will reach out and, and you know, you field their calls and it's, it's uh, a little bit of a confidence boost knowing there's teams out there that would like you. But at the same time, our message back to them was, you know what, we're still working with the Islanders here and um, that's Andrew's main focus and stuff like that. So as uh, great as that was and as awesome it was, we didn't really pursue them at all. So there was no temptation to even maybe take some visits? Uh, you know, at the end of the day, not really. Uh, had things gone more south or something like that, maybe, but we never got to that point, and I'm thankful for it. I mean, is there just a sense of, you know, that you're indebted to the Islanders for the chance they took on you, that this is your organization, the organization you grew up in? Well, you just take pride in wearing that jersey and being an Islander as long as I have been. It, uh, uh, it's motivation to continue to get better and not only be a better hockey player but a better person and, um, you know, try to do what we all want to do every year, set out and, and win a Stanley Cup. You think about what could have been. I mean, they were going after Panarin, right? I mean, what if Panarin said yes to their offer? Well, it been a heck of a teammate to have on your team. I think that would have been great. But obviously th those things didn't work out. But uh, we'll find, uh, we'll fill those holes other ways. How ingrained are you in the New York community? I mean, I saw a story. I mean, you can give me the exact number, but you've helped raise. Is it hundreds of thousands of dollars for is it one specific cancer charity? I mean, you can you can lay out the details, but just how about just you know your presence there in the New York market? Yeah, I mean, for me, um, a few years back, I was trying to figure out how I wanted to give back in in the community and um, you know kind of make a difference. We have such a wonderful platform as as hockey players and and people in the community. So ended up seeing a a speech from a, a young boy named Finov and. Um, he was going through neuroblastoma and was battling his cancer and um, pretty inspirational to me and so I kind of joined up with the Cancer Jam, the, the foundation that he had been speaking at and we've held now three events and we're planning our fourth now and actually just had a recent one in the middle of New York City that we partnered up with uh, Kevin Shattenkirk with the Rangers so Little Islanders Rangers rivalry can jam and uh, we've been able to do a lot of great things and I've been able to meet a lot of great people and families and, and kids that are uh, pretty inspiring. And, I mean, the one young man in particular that, that inspired you maybe more than any, he did pass away. Yeah, we lost, uh, we lost Finav, um almost a year, a, a year ago now, and um, think about him every day. He's a wonderful person, a man uh, wise beyond his years and always had a smile on his face. He never, never showed what he was going through and uh, one of the strongest people I've met. Are you able to keep in touch with with some of his family and friends? Yeah, I'm in touch with his, been in touch with his mom, and ever since, and it's just we're we're friends now, um, and we treat each other like family, and um, you know these are the kind of things that are, you know, real and important. Uh, we play a game, and it's a special thing, and we're extremely lucky to be lucky to be able to do it. But uh, to to make an impact on you know a kid like Finov is uh, pretty special. One of the great guys, Edina native Andersley, does so much when it comes to charitable causes. I'm telling you, he knows that he's on a platform, a big time platform, especially in the number one media market, New York. He is the captain of the Islanders, so he's a high profile professional athlete. He uses that for the betterment of. Of so many individuals. He does so much. He does so much that people don't even know about. So kudos to Andersley for all he does when it comes to helping others. Derek Falvey will be helping the Twins in the coming days. I'm as curious as anyone. Who will the Twins end up acquiring? 
Will it be one bullpen arm? Will it be two? Will it be a starter and a reliever? It will be at least one arm. I'm positive of that. But will it be multiple arms? They have talked to everyone. I'm telling you, that is what they do. They would literally not be doing their jobs if they weren't talking to teams. So when you ask me on Twitter, hey, have the Twins talked to the Mets like I was asked a couple days ago? Of course. And I answered that. I said, yes, of course they've talked to the Mets, whether it's Syndergaard, Diaz, go up and down the list. They've talked to the Tigers. They've talked to the Blue Jays. They've talked to the Rockies. They've talked to the Rangers. They've talked to the Giants. You name the team, they have checked in with said team. So it's a matter of when, not if, the Twins add to their pitching staff. We are done. Have a wonderful weekend.